Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Dearly Father, God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, you walk with us through fire, God. You pull us from the flames no matter what we're going through, no matter what troubles come into our lives, God. You're always there for us. Lord, as we open your word today, may we find your truth, God. May it encourage us, Lord, and we will give you the praise in your precious name. Amen. When I was just a little kid, before I learned how to swim, now, as parents, you probably did this. We did it to our son. My mom and dad did it to, to me. They put the fear of God in me about the deep end. If we went on vacation or there was a pool there and it was over my head, I wouldn't get near it. I mean, I would take and walk 25 feet away from it. I was so scared of the deep end. And that was probably a good thing that they did that. But it wasn't a good thing when I started taking swimming lessons. And I was six or seven, whatever it was. I can remember it well. It was down at the Barberton Natatorium. And I go in and take swimming lessons. Now, I was fine in the shallow end. We had a great time. It was, I mean, the first couple lessons, it was great. I really enjoyed it. You know, we're splashing around. You're having a good time. And then a few lessons in, the teacher says, okay, we're going to get these little foam boards out, and we're going to float you close to the deep end. Well, I wasn't having any part of that. As they started floating me out, I would let the teacher know, you know, I... I'm not comfortable going to the deep end. And they would keep floating me out there. And I would get louder and louder. And pretty soon I'd let everybody in the whole natatorium know that I wasn't comfortable going to the deep end. I had such a fear of that unknown. Such a fear of the deep end. You know, what is the deep end as it relates to life? It's those things that frighten you. It's those things that scare you. It's the times when you just have no idea what's going to happen. You're so uncertain. You don't know of the unknown. It's those things that we feel like we're in water just fighting to survive. I can remember I had a friend years ago going through a terrible time, and he told me, he says, I just have to survive this. I'm literally in survival mode. Every day I just feel like I gotta, I gotta survive. And that's the deep end. When you're in the deep end, you just feel like you just have to make it through. You just have to survive. We all face the deep end in our lives. There's gonna become a time in your life, maybe you're in it now, maybe you're gonna be coming into it at some time when you have to face the deep end. We're going to look at a couple things that, that that fear of the deep end causes today. The, the first one is the deep end causes fear. It causes anxiety of the unknown. When I was that little kid and I would walk up toward the deep end and I would look, I was so scared you couldn't see the bottom. I had such fear of the unknown, of what was down there. It also causes uncertainty and indecisiveness, not making the right decisions. 
Those are the two things that we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at a man in the Bible who was thrown literally into the deep end. In Joshua, the first chapter, the first two verses, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, we get a picture here of what's happening. Joshua is standing by the Jordan River. The nation of Israel is all around him, and they're ready to go to the promised land. After all those years of waiting, they're ready to go in to the land that God had promised them to take it and for that to be their land. Joshua, you could say, was literally thrown into the deep end. Joshua, you're the leader now. Gather all these people and go to the promised land and all the people that come against you, you're going to fight and you're going to defeat Joshua's swimming in the deep end. Oh, Moses now is, is gone. You could, you could almost see that across the camp. You could see all the people, as far as the eye can see, had encamped in the nation of Israel. And you could almost see that as the message was getting out that Moses had died. You could almost see the people's reaction as, as they cried as they mourned for Moses. Remember, this was the, the younger generation that started in the wilderness. Moses was the only leader that they had known all these years. For over 40 years, it was Moses. You could hear many of them talking about, as a, a child, I, you could almost hear them say, well, I, I remember when I was still in Egypt... I remember Moses, he led us out of there across the Red Sea and others would talk about how Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. Oh, they, they reminisced and they thought about this great leader, Moses, who had been with them all their life, now is gone. He's no longer with them. Joshua truly had some big shoes to fill. And as a human, Joshua could have very well felt that same fear of the unknown, that fear of being thrown into the deep end. Now, Joshua knew a little bit about the, this promised land. Remember, some 40 years prior, he had scouted this land. He, he knew that there were giants in the land. He also knew that there were great fortified cities there. He knew this was not going to be easy from a human perspective. But Joshua shows us something. Joshua shows us that if God directs you somewhere, you don't need to know how everything is going to work out. If God points you in a certain direction, he's going to line the path for you. See, Joshua had faith. He understood. He knew one thing. He knew that God was going to be with him. In verse 3, our story continues. It says, God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not 
There shall not any man be able to stand against you before thee all the days of thy life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor forsake you. You see, you got to understand something. God's promise was not to Moses. God's promise was to Israel. When God told them that this land was to be theirs, even though Moses was gone, the promise was to Israel. The promise that he would be with them, that he would never leave them. When we read of the promises of God in the Bible, the promises are not just to the people in the Bible. They don't, they don't just expire. When God says, I'm going to be with you as my child, that holds true today, just as it did back then. As a believer in Christ, we know that his promises are just as true today as they were in the time of Joshua. That he says, I will be with you no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing. I will be with you. This, when God says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the latter part of that verse, that great commission is Jesus is leaving his disciples and he will soon enter back to glory. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. God is not only saying that to his disciples. He's saying that to you. He's saying that to me. He's saying, no matter where you go, as a child of mine, I'm going to be by your side. God promises Joshua that he's never going to leave him. Do you truly believe in your life? Think about this question for a minute. Do you believe that God is never going to leave you? As a child of his, do you believe that he's never going to leave you? Think about that for a minute. I can remember years ago going to a place called Ruby Falls. I know you may have heard of it. Maybe you've been there. It's a place in Tennessee. It's a, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful place to visit. And what Ruby Falls is, it's underground in this cave system. It's like 1,000 feet down. You go down in this elevator and it opens up and you're in this giant cave system. You go through the caves and you got a tour guide and he leads you all through the caves. And then you get to the point of where the waterfall is. And it's like a 150 foot waterfall in this cave system underground. And I remember touring that. And you get to a certain point and the tour guide says, okay, I want you to grab onto the wall, find a rock, find something because the lights are going out. Now, if you're in a cave and the lights go out, it's a little bit dark. And so the lights go out and, you know, you can't see anything. You're trying to find your way. And he says, okay, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And you get to a point and then all of a sudden the lights come on and they bathe the waterfall in this red light and it's, it's really beautiful. Well, you know, at any time during that tour, as we were walking, you had to walk some way to get to that point. Any time I could have... I could have left the tour. I could have went down one of these other cave systems and got hopelessly lost and it never found me. But at any time, I could just go ahead and I could leave that tour. I could leave the tour. But you know what? The tour guide, the tour guide was never going to leave us. The tour guide didn't get to that point and say, okay, guys, the lights are going out. It's my lunch hour. See you guys later. Good luck finding your way out of here. Of course not. The tour guide is not going to leave the tour. I could leave, but he's not going to leave the tour. I want to tell you today, we can leave God, but God is never going to leave us. 
We can leave the tour. We can walk away. We can go our own way and do what we want to do. But God is still where he's always been. The tour guide is always there. God doesn't tell us, well, you know, you got yourself into this mess, so you're going to have to figure your way out. God is there. God is there. It doesn't matter where the Bible says it. In Psalms 23, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. No matter where you're at in this life, no matter what you go through in this life, God says, I am there with you as my child. When you fear the unknown, you got to trust the guide. You got to trust the teacher. You know, the, the teacher, my swimming teacher, he, he finally led me in to the deep end. And as he led me in, I remember clearly looking at him and I asked him, I said, now, are you sure you've got me? And he says, I've got you. And I probably said it a couple times. I probably said, are you sure you've got me? I've got you. Now, let me ask you this. Are you sure you've got me? I've got you. And he said it with such confidence. He says, I've got you. Nothing is going to happen to you. And he led me into that deep end. And finally, after a while, I was able to trust him. And it wasn't so scary anymore. And I was able to swim on my own finally as a young kid because I trusted the teacher. God says that to you today. God says, I've got you. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, I have got you. But I had to learn to trust the teacher. Joshua had to learn to trust God as he led him into this unknown, into this promised land. How do we trust God? How can we trust God? Well, the first thing we got to do is we have to let go of ourselves at times. We have to let go of the reins. We have to let go of that pride to where we want to lead. We want to be the guide. We want to make all the decisions. We've got to humble ourselves to let the guide lead. The second thing when we talk about trust is we have to know that the tour guide isn't going to leave us. That he's going to be there by our side. And not only is he going to be there by our side, but he's the one with the experience. He's the one that's been there before. He's the one that knows the way. He knows everywhere that we can go. He has the experience. In those beautiful verses in Proverbs chapter 3, Verses 5 and 6, what does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all in your heart. Lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's simply about trusting the guide to lead us. To acknowledge him and he'll direct us. He'll lead us where we need to go. Fear leaves us when trust enters. You know, if you think about that, fear and trust. Here you've got... You can be so afraid of something. If you're so afraid of something, the opposite of that is you fully trust that things are going to be fine. You know, those two really can't coexist, can they? If I have tremendous amount of fear, then I'm not, I'm not trusting. But if I fully trust that God's going to take care of me, that fear goes away. They can't exist. So when you have that fear in your life and you're, you're so afraid and you don't know what's going to happen and you fear that deep end, the remedy to that is trust. Is to completely give yourself to God. Completely trust Him. You don't know, where, you know what that promised land looks like, but you know that you're going to trust Him, that He's going to help you make it out. The second thing that, that the deep end can cause is uncertainty and indecisiveness. 
not making good decisions. You know, we often make bad decisions when we're in the deep end. We just don't know what we make bad decisions. We make bad decisions as human beings in general a lot of times, don't we? We do. We see our picture today of Joshua standing by the Jordan River with all of Israel. What I want you to do is I want you to take that picture in your mind and we're going to go back in time. We're going to get in a time machine and we're going to go 40 years back in time to that same location. But the scene looked very different. If we go back from our story today, 40 years in the past, we see Moses now still alive some 40 years before, standing at the same place Joshua is with the nation of Israel. And he's ready to send uh, 12 spies into the land. And, and there's a Joshua and Caleb. Oh boy, they look so much younger. It's, it's, they're in their 20s now. They're, they're young. And he's going to send them all into the land. They might be 30, but they're young. They sent them into the land, and they come back with a report. And in Numbers, the 13th chapter in verse 27, we see, and they told him and said, We came into the land, whither thou sentest. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So the spies are coming back to Moses and they're giving a report of this land. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jezebites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So he sends the ten spies into the land, the twelve spies, and, and ten of them give a report to Moses. And the 10 said, they said, you know, the land, it's great, Moses. It's incredible. It's incredible. But there's no way that we can take this land. You can't believe the cities there. They're so fortified. You can't believe the giants there. You can't believe the warriors there. There's no way we can take it. It is a great land, Moses, but forget it. We can't do it. And then Joshua and Caleb, they give their report and Caleb stands up and he stills the people and he says, he says, yeah, there's, there's fortified cities here. Yeah, there's giants there, but we can take this. In fact, let's go right now. Moses, we need to get everybody and we need to go into the land because God is with us and we can do this. We can take this land. And in chapter 14, verse 1, it shows the congregation of Israel, their response to this report. You had 10 spies who said, we can't do it. There's no way. You had the two that said, we can. What is Israel going to do? And it says, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should be prey. Were it not better for us just to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain, and let us now return unto Egypt. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephana, which were with them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give us this land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are a bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The people were overcome by fear of this report. They were overcome by fear. And the people started making bad decisions. They started saying, you know what we ought to do? We ought to just get another, another leader. Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's forget what's happened. Because there's no way that we're going to be able to succeed. But Joshua's words ring true, doesn't it? Joshua in that passage, a couple of times, what does he say? He says, fear not. Fear not. If we do what God has told us to do, the land is ours. Don't look at the giants. Don't look how deep the water is. Don't look how the problem is. If God is for us, we can take it. If we fear not. So God judges Israel. If you remember, God says to Moses, he says, because of the disbelief of the people, all this adult generation is going to have to die off. In fact, everyone 20 and older is going to have to die off. And you're going to wander around the wilderness now for 40 years until that happens. And just the younger generation, just those, those teenagers and those children, they're the ones going to enter the promised land, not the people who didn't believe me, not the people who said you couldn't do it. So we fast forward for 40 years now, and we're back on that same spot in the Jordan. We're in the present time, and there stands Joshua and Caleb in the nation of Israel. Who's going into the promised land? It was all that generation of youth now who has grown up. But who else was there? Joshua and Caleb. God had promised them. He had said, because you believed in me, you are going into the promised land. Not only are you going into the promised land, you're going to lead the people into the promised land because of your faith. When you don't know what to do and you're uncertain, hold on to your faith. Joshua held on to his faith for 40 years they wandered around the wilderness. But you know what? Joshua didn't lose sight. He didn't lose his faith. Caleb didn't lose sight. He didn't lose his faith. For all those years, they kept their faith. You could almost hear Joshua as he'd walk around the camp during the days. He said, you know what? We're going to the promised land. Well, Joshua, we got a while to go. We're going to the promised land. We're going to make it to that promised land. We don't know what to do. We hold on to our faith. I can remember a, another uh, swimming story that I have. And when I went to Akron U, uh, I took, one of the classes I took was, was intermediate swimming. I don't know why they put me in that. The only reason I took that was because most of the gym credits were half a credit. And I just wanted to get it done. So this was a full credit. So I thought, okay, I, I, 
you know, there's a lifeguard there if, if anything goes wrong. So one of the things they had us do is you had to dive down. If you remember the old pool in Akron, they had the, the giant uh, diving boards and the platforms and all that. So this pool was deep. I mean, I think it was 16 feet, if I'm remembering right. It was a deep pool. And one of the things we had to do, we had to dive all the way down there, and you had to collect these things off the bottom of the pool. Well, when you got down there that deep, it's, you have no idea where you're at. I mean, it's dark. You can't see anything. And sometimes you get turned around. And I remember my teacher telling us before he did it, he says, you know, at times you can get turned around down there. And I'm going to tell you what you got to do. When you get turned around down there, you just stop. And you wait a couple seconds. And what will happen is you'll start floating up toward the surface. And then you know where to go. And I remember I got down there and I got four of the five items and I'm looking all around and all of a sudden I get turned around. I didn't know which way was up. And you think I'm crazy, but if you've ever been in that situation, you understand. But I remembered what my teacher told me. And I just relaxed a minute. And I started floating to the surface, and then I knew which direction was up. You know, I, I had faith in my teacher. I had faith of what he was telling me was going to work. And it got me out of a situation that I was in a little bit of trouble. Joshua had faith in God. They had faith in the teacher that he was going to work things out. And it took 40 years to do it. But God worked it out. When you don't know what to do, sometimes you have to wait. Waiting is not fun. I was in traffic this week. And I don't like to be in traffic. Waiting's not fun. You go to a restaurant, you have to wait. It's not fun. But sometimes in life, we have to wait. You have to wait until you're confident enough in the decision you're going to make. You have to wait till God to lead you. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 11, it says, And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like watered, a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You see, Israel had to wait, wait for the right time. Because of their sin, they had to wait. Now, we don't like to wait. A lot of times we want answers right now. We want it to happen now. But you know what? Maybe now isn't the right time. Maybe now God hasn't got the things ready for us. Maybe the situation isn't how God has planned it for us. So we have to wait a little bit for God to move those pieces together to make it work. And then the time will be right. But we don't like to wait. We like things now. Imagine going into a restaurant saying, I'm, I'm so hungry, I just want my meal now. I said, well, it's not cooked. I want it now. Wouldn't taste real good. You got to wait. And when you wait, then it's prepared right. Everything is just as it should be. And you receive the blessing. Sometimes we have to wait. We have to wait for what God has planned for us, but I want to tell you that it's worth the wait. If we wait for what God has for us, it's going to be a lot better than if we try to get it now, because we're going to mess it up if we try to get it now. Sometimes we have to wait. I had to learn sometimes in swimming that when you're in the deep end and you get in trouble, one of the things that they teach you is you roll on your back and you fill your lungs full of air and you just relax and float. And what that does is it gives you time. 
It gives you time to collect yourself. It gives you time to make a better decision. And you have to wait a little bit. But then you can think clearly. And you can make a much better decision. Sometimes you have to wait. When you don't know what to do and you're uncertain, something else we have to do, we have to pray for wisdom to make the right decision, to find the right path. In James chapter 1, in verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and unabradeth not, and it shall be given unto you. God says, if you need wisdom, just ask me. I'll give it to you, but you got to ask. Pray for wisdom so that you make the right path. I know so many times I would be going through something and I would go to my dad. And my dad would always have the same answer. He would say, pray about it. I would say, yeah, I, I, I'm praying about it, dad, but I really need to know what, what you think. And he'd stop and he said, no, pray about it. Just pray about it and wait. And God's going to open up something. He's going to help you make the right decision, but you want to pray for his wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom when we're in the, the deep end because God is planning a path for you, and we don't want to miss that path. We don't want to miss the path that he has for us. We often try to plan our own path and make mistakes, as Israel did, started to make bad decisions. We often do that in our life. But you know what? God has a plan for us. And it doesn't matter how much you've messed things up in your life. He still has a path for you. You know, one of the saddest things I've ever heard, and I've had several people in my life tell me this. They've told me, God doesn't have a path for me. God can't forgive me. You, you, don't, you don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the situations I've been in, the mess I've caused. You just don't understand it. I think that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. But you know what? It's also one of the biggest lies that's ever been told. When you think that there is no way that God can open up a path for you, that's a lie of the devil. God is always waiting for us. And when we're ready and we come to him, no matter how much we've messed it up, God says, you want a path opened? Trust me, I'll open that path. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what, how much you've messed it up. I'll open a path. And you know what? If this path isn't going to work, I'll open this path. But he's got a path for us in our lives. Oh, don't give up on the, the mission that God has for you. Don't think that you've already messed it up. You haven't messed it up. God will open up a path you've never seen. And he'll do great things in your life. You just have to trust. You just have to let him. We need to pray for wisdom to see that path that God is laid for us. When you don't know what to do in life, trust the teacher. When you don't know where the bottom is, trust. When you don't know where to go, trust. When you don't know what path to take, trust. I want to close with one of my favorite verses in Joshua chapter 1. Three verses that I, I just love. I, I read these verses, and boy, I just get so encouraged when I read these verses. And I just encourage you that if you're going through a rough time, if you're stuck in the deep end, make these verses something that you read. Write them down and read them. 
because they'll encourage you. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6 through 9, it says, Be strong and of good courage. For under this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to thy right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded you, for the third time he says it here, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you goeth. If you are in the deep end today, I encourage you, be strong and courageous and trust the Savior. Let's pray. Nearly Father, so many times in our lives when we, when we go to that deep end, it's a scary place. And God, we don't know where the bottom is. We don't know what decision to make. Lord, we don't need to. You command us. You command us to be strong, to be of good courage. And Lord, that that strength, that courage, it comes from a confidence in you. That you, the teacher, that you, the guide, is not going to leave us. That you're never going to forsake us. That you'll be there to hold us throughout the journey. Lord, I pray today if there's anyone here that's going through that challenge, Lord, that's going through that deep end, Lord, may you hold them up. Lord, if there's anyone here who has never accepted you as their Savior, Lord, may today be the day of their salvation. In your precious name we pray. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross 
and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.